America's healthcare system is in extremis. Do we continue life support, or should we just pull the plug? Or is there another option? You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Newt Gingrich. Newt is well-known as the architect of the contract with America that led the Republican Party to victory in 1994 by capturing the majority in the U.S. House for the first time in 40 years. After he was elected speaker, he disrupted the status quo by moving power out of Washington and back to the American people. As an author, Newt has published nine books, including several fiction and nonfiction bestsellers. In his book, Saving Lives and Saving Money, Newt describes his vision of a 21st century system of health and health care that is centered on the individual, prevention-focused, knowledge-intense, and innovation-rich. Moreover, he makes the case for a market-mediated system that will improve choice and quality while driving costs down. Well, I'm delighted to have a chance to uh, talk with you and to share some ideas. Speaker Gingrich, according to you, what you've written, it, it appears that we do not have a health care crisis in this country, but we do have is a health crisis with a health care system that is incapable of dealing with it. Well, I think that's exactly right. Uh, if you look at the number of younger Americans who are obese and in risk of becoming diabetic, that's a cultural lifestyle crisis which will have a healthcare manifestation because if you start getting type 2 diabetics at 15, 16, 17 years of age, the amount you're going to end up spending on taking care of them with kidney dialysis, with heart disease, with amputation of limbs, with blindness because diabetes is the leading adult cause of blindness, will just be phenomenal. And so I think you have to start with an understanding that there's a, a very real concern that we should have for how the individual deals with their own health, for how the society structures itself and the culture structures itself with regards to health, and then for the delivery system of health care. But we deliberately set out by talking about health and health care, and we were reinforced in this by Nestle's, which is the largest food company in the world and has a very large research facility. They have a larger research budget than the Jet Propulsion Laboratory at Caltech. And Nestle's made the case to us that you had to think about the individual, because we thought we were being fairly daring and talking about being a patient-centered system. Uh, and they said, no, no, that's too late, that if you can affect three things, attitude, activity, and nutrition, you can postpone patient status for a long time in most cases. Attitude plays a very significant role in health. Optimists are actually healthier than pessimists. People who are socially connected to each other are healthier than people who are isolated. Second, Activity, as you know, has a huge impact on health. So if I have more biking trails, more walking areas, if I have facilities for exercising, if I have a, a program of encouraging and incentivizing people to be physically active, they're healthier. And then third, nutrition plays a huge role. We have called for uh, both reestablishing K-12 through physical education in every school in the country five days a week. Uh, we've also talked about rethinking the school lunch and school breakfast program and the WIC program, Women's and Infants and Children uh, Nutrition Program, and the Food Stamp Program to really try to build a, a model of health that makes it easier for the individual to be healthy. And then in that context, you should look at the health care system. I, I apologize for such a long answer, but I, I think that it, it's, it's such a fundamental change that it's really worth looking at. Well, I know according to the World Health Organization, if we just stopped smoking and eating the crap that we're eating, we could save hundreds of billions of dollars each year and probably even finance the current war we're in. There's no question that if you could get people 
to eat more prudently, to not smoke. And, and frankly, if you get them to buckle their seatbelts. And there's a wonderful little site called realage.com uh, where you can go and you add up various health risks and you determine what's your real age as opposed to your chronological age. And they add three years of lifetime to people who buckle their seatbelts. They think statistically it is that big a difference, the risk you're running, when you fail to buckle your seatbelt. So there are a series of these common set steps that we think could really make a huge difference. Mr. Speaker, I'm curious what happened in your life that really created your passion and commitment to this mission and this system of change? Well, when I stepped down, I came to the conclusion that I wanted to really focus the years after I was Speaker on being helpful to the country. And I looked at national security, where I've, I've been the longest-serving teacher in the senior military, and began working with the Army in 1979 on, on transformational change. And I wanted to put about 40% of my time into national security. And then I thought about the various other great challenges that face us. And, and I concluded that health is both life and death individually. I also concluded, to be honest, that I was going to get older. And as I get older, and, and my friends all get older, I'd have a greater interest in health care. <laughs> so I said, gee, this is a really practical thing to do. Why don't I work on health as an issue, try to help solve it as a public policy matter, and in the process, learn about it because it's better for me and it'll be better for my many friends. And that has certainly proven to be true because we've, we have so much uh, greater ability to give people advice on where to go to find the right specialist or, or where to find the right therapy or where to find the right analysis, what to be concerned about. And in the process of doing that, I was really surprised to discover that health is about 3,000% more complex than national security. And when I spend my time at the CIA or the Defense Department or the State Department or the White House National Security Council, and then I go and I spend my time with health institutions, I find that health literally is 30 times more complex, that that's how big the difference is. And it's the most dense use of knowledge of any human activity. It's just a remarkably important and powerful area. And so I felt very privileged as we began to work on health, we decided that the scale of change we needed was so large that you could never manage it that to get real change in a system this complex, that you had to be prepared to develop a collaboration of leadership across a very wide area. So we have built at the Center for Health Transformation an organization that now has over 90 members, and they, they range the whole gamut from employers to disease groups to pharmaceuticals to uh, high-tech companies to people involved on the Internet to hospitals to medical groups. By getting that diversity into the same room to have the same conversation, it has been very, very helpful. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell, and with me today is Newt Gingrich, and we're talking about how to transform the current healthcare system. Mr. Speaker, transformation is not easy, and it, and it seems like we really have a very sick system that needs to be completely dismantled and kind of started from the ground up. How do we do something that massive? We actually have written two books on how to think about this. One, which is fairly thick, that Nancy Desmond, the president and CEO of the Center for Health Transformation, co-authored with me, is called The Art of Transformation. And then there's a, a smaller version, which is a workbook, on implementing a transformational change. We wrote those to really to start answering the question you're raising. We believe that very large-scale change occurs first by defining the values and the vision of the future so people begin to reorient themselves. For example, do we have a vision of the future that has more wellness, early testing, and prevention, 
and self-management of chronic diseases, or do we have a vision of the future that is more acute care uh, after you get uh, really desperately sick? I mean, those are fundamentally different design models. Do we have a, a vision of the future where the individual has accountability for themselves and where they are incentivized to be compliant if they have a chronic condition? Or do we have a future where we expect individuals to be irresponsible uh, and to maximize their health problems and their comorbidities? And these are very different models. And, and once you start building the model, and we explain this in great detail if you look at The Art of Transformation or Implementing the Art of Transformation, the two books I described. Implementing the Art of Transformation will actually be out in audio form in a couple of months because we realize there are a lot of people who can afford to listen to it while they're driving their car, but they're not going to stop and, and, and read it as a textbook. We're really trying at a very practical level to give doctors, hospital administrators, state legislators, HR departments, CEOs, congressmen, the Department of Health and Human Services. We're trying to create a common language about how you go through this process of very large-scale change. In addition, we've, we've identified what we describe at the Center for Health Transformation, and all of our listeners can go to healthtransformation.net to see this. We describe what we call the four-box model of fundamental change because we think the politicians all focus on the, on the fourth box, which is financing, but the objective underlying reality is that we are dealing with much more complex problems. And as I said, our four boxes, the first box is the individual, the second box is culture and society, the third box is the delivery system, and the fourth box is the financing of the system. They all interrelate, and that's, that's what makes this complicated. It's, it's a complex picture in which each piece affects the other three pieces. And so it's almost like playing four-dimensional chess. I mean, it is, the reason it feels frustrating and complicated is it is frustrating and complicated. It's not because people are stupid. It's because this is one of the most elegant and complex problems society faces, and getting it solved is going to require a national conversation of substantially more than 30-second short sound bites. Well, that leads me to my next question. We don't have a good leader. We have nobody stepping up to the plate and saying something like, I want to go to the moon in the next five years. I want to transform the healthcare system. So can we hear more from you about this? Well, I think you're going to hear from us here at the center a great deal over the next few months. And, and on September 27th and 29th, uh, we're going to be co-hosting with American Solutions, a nationwide workshop online talking about the scale of opportunity. And I do think it takes that kind of conversation. Mr. Speaker, if you had to pick an existing healthcare system somewhere in the world that you have looked at and you would like to mirror ours against, whose would it be and what, what do you like about it? It would actually be an American system and it would be characterized by the American Medical Group Association. I mean, the fact is, if you go out and you look at the Mayo Clinic or you go and look at Marshfield or a number of those great organizations where doctors work together and where the hospital is really following the lead of the doctors and where their focus is on best outcomes, it's pretty darn impressive. If you look at the Inland Northwest Health System in Spokane, Washington, which is a remarkable health information technology system, the work they're doing is really cutting edge and as good as anywhere in the world. And, you know, I think when you when you go to... Great Britain or you go to Canada and you look at some of these national health systems, uh, they're terrific as long as you're healthy. But they tend to have lots of bureaucracy, very limited capital investment. And if you have a complex problem, they're not very helpful. I would also say that Brent James at uh, Intermountain Health in Salt Lake City is probably as good a student and his briefing on what needs to be fixed in American healthcare is probably as subtle and intelligent a briefing as anything I've ever seen. And, and I'd, I'd say to all of our listeners, if you ever get a chance to listen to Brent James, 
Uh, he is just a remarkable leader, and he is uh, really right at the cutting edge of thinking through what needs to be done in America in ways to be effective. I know now that with Michael Moore's movie Sicko out, the mainstream view seems to see or think that socialized medicine is the cure, and, and I personally don't think we can really trust or shouldn't trust our government to handle health care. The Swiss, who have a mandatory 100% insurance coverage model in which every single person in Switzerland buys their own insurance, they had a referendum on going to a national health care bureaucracy on a Sunday about two months ago. And they voted 71 to 29 against creating a government bureaucracy to run their health system. Now, you didn't see that on page one of the New York Times because it was a politically incorrect outcome. But the Swiss, in fact, like a model where they pay for their insurance, and they showed remarkably little interest in turning it over to some bureaucrat to run it for them because they thought the bureaucrat wouldn't be responsive and wouldn't be efficient and wouldn't be effective, all of which I happen to think is true. Newt Gingrich, I would like to thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening.